Cherry Hill Volvo, we have absolutely incredible offers and a plethora of both new and certified Volvos from which to choose. We are eager to offer amazingly competitive prices, plus an additional $1,000 Costco discount on all new Cherry Hill Volvos. When leasing or purchasing a new or certified Cherry Hill Volvo, you become a valued part of our team. Join Cherry Hill Volvo for the pricing and attention you deserve. I am Judith Krepnick, president of Cherry Hill Volvo. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. WPHT, WPHT, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia. From the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The revolution will be broadcast. This is the next generation of talk. Now, this is the drive at 5. 30 minutes of non-stop talk with Rich Zioli. Biden's claiming he needs new power at the border, but does he really? And also, what are the Democrats trying to do now to further destroy America's energy independence? Welcome back to the show. Glad you're here today. 855-839-1210 on Twitter, at Rich Zioli. Thanks for being here. Got a lot to chat about. Don't forget, we'll be at Parks Casino Thursday night for Comedy Night. Give us some details on that in just a few moments. But here to talk about all the latest goings on in Washington, Phil Kirpin is president of American Commitment. Follow him on Twitter at Kirpin. Phil, what's going on, my man? Well, um, they're maybe going to do a tax extenders bill this week. We've got uh, Senate Republicans trying to do some kind of border deal while the media is using this uh, as a way to blame Republicans. <laughs> for Biden's border crisis. And uh, we've got everybody celebrating last week's GDP report like we're in the clear and the economy's booming again, even though it was all driven by government spending. So other than that, everything's great. (laughs) Other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, uh, let's talk about the border thing first. I mean, Biden obviously wants Ukraine funding and he's not going to give up on the border until or on on that funding. So he's using the border here and he's saying he needs new power. But as I understand this, when he got into office, he undid the powers that President Trump gave for the border. Order, including the national emergency declaration, the remain in Mexico policy, catch, ending catch and release. Biden got rid of all that. So he could reinvoke those emergency powers. He's got more than enough emergency power ability right now if he wanted to actually deal with the crisis. So it seems like what this border bill is really about is getting funding for all the other things that Joe Biden wants and also to make it easier for people who are in this country illegally to stay in this country illegally. Yeah, so, so here's the thing. The... the Permanent law uh, under the Immigration and Naturalization Act gives the president the power to remove anyone who's illegally present in the country. Period. End of story. You don't need any other authority. You're, you're here not legally. The president can remove you. Okay? What he's trying to say is, well, pass a law that says that, you know, after however many thousand people a day come in, then I can remove people. And it's like, but, but the law now <laughs> says you can remove anyone that you want who's illegally present. And so uh, it, it's essentially a president who refuses to enforce the law saying, if you give me one more law, I'll actually use it. 
Oh, and by the way, it needs to be attached to the funding for all these other things I want, to your point. So, I mean, if you have a president who's already acting in a lawless fashion, the idea that one more law and he'll actually start following laws is not very compelling uh, to me. Yeah, no, it's frustrating. And I I hope Republicans don't fall for this nonsense, because what I'm worried about is you have a lot of Republicans who do want to see Ukraine funding and they'll use this as their excuse to say, oh, uh, you know, I, I had to do it for the border. Well, including Mitch McConnell. I mean, I think it's pretty clear that at this stage in his career and in his life, and he's probably never going to run for office again, Mitch McConnell thinks, like, the most important priority is funding Ukraine. I mean, he thinks, you know, we're at war with the Russians and we got to fund them, and he thinks this is, you know, the sort of the global geostrategic uh, play of, you know, and I don't know, maybe he's right, I'm not a foreign policy guy, but I can tell you that's not where the voters are. And so he's definitely, you know, I mean, you might think this is bad or you might think it's good, but he's not acting politically at all. He's just trying to do what he what he thinks is the most important thing. And I mean, he's actually publicly said a few times over the last year or two, hey, the number one priority for Senate Republicans is funding Ukraine. And he got, you know, pretty killed for it uh, by voters. But I don't think he cares. I don't think he's running it for anything ever again. So I don't think he cares about voters at this point. And, you know, that means you've got a Republican leader whose top priority is not aligned. And uh, that means, you're, you know, they'll do anything to get a deal, I think. That's very troubling, but not surprising in the least. Uh, let's talk about the, the uh, tweet you retweeted earlier today from Blake Allen, an entire government subsidy program that funds the heckler's veto to make our economy worse. Stupid doesn't even begin to describe this idea. It is a permitting reform idea the Democrats are pushing through. Permitting reform. Democrats, you know, they love to do. They love to say there are four things that we're for, but then when you read the details, it's actually the opposite. And so, you know, look, we've been trying to get permitting reform done for a long time because anytime anyone tries to build anything in this country, they get a hundred environmental lawsuits and all these. You know, you can, you can't get your permits, and it takes. You know, build, opening a new mine, a new mineral mine in this country takes on average fifteen to twenty years. I think it takes three years in Canada. Probably takes like you know two weeks in China. Uh, and so we've been trying to get permitting reform done for a long time, and some Democrats like Joe Manchin claim that they're for it. Well, the the Democrats released a draft permitting reform bill, and it includes $3 billion, that's billion with a B, of funding for left-wing nonprofit groups to, quote, participate in the environmental review process. And the only way these groups have ever participated is trying to block everything in sight. So their permitting reform is actually to fund left-wing groups to block anyone getting permits for anything. Well, that doesn't seem to be very helpful to America's uh, energy independence now, does it? Yeah. It's only, you know, it might be helpful to Democratic campaigns because these are all, you know, liberal political groups, but it certainly is extremely unhelpful to actually getting anything built in this country, including, by the way, the renewable projects that they claim they're for. Those get environmental lawsuits, too. Let me ask you this. Last week, Phil Kirpin, when the, when the administration came out and put this, uh, this pause on the exports of liquid natural gas which, of course, is something our allies need, and I think this is going to empower bad guys around the world. What is, all, what is this all about? And the timing of this I found to be very suspicious as well. Well, it's actually pretty insane. Uh, they've got a study by some crackpot that uh, claims that natural gas is worse uh, for global warming than coal. And therefore, we shouldn't have natural gas exports because they will displace coal in other countries the same way we've replaced most coal in the U.S. And that'll be bad because, I guess, methane leaks or something. I mean, the the math is insane because, 
you know, the shift to natural gas in the U.S. has dramatically reduced our greenhouse gas emissions. Now, I don't care about greenhouse gas emissions because I'm not a climate apocalypse uh, person. But, you know, if you're into that, then natural gas should be a solution. It should right. be what you're promoting. We should want every country to do what the U.S. did and replace their coal with natural gas. But this, the Biden administration has got some, some crackpot study that natural gas is actually bad for climate and uh, it's better for, you know, other countries to stay on coal and or, you know, to buy their gas from Russia or whatever. And so uh, the environmental groups say, we you know, we want you to block gas exports. And the president says, okay, great. And, you know, the the irony of this is that it's not like, you know, they, they can't like play like a nationalist card and be like, oh, you know, we're going to use it domestically instead of exporting because they don't want us to use it domestically either. We can't get natural gas pipelines built anywhere. I mean, we've got the highest natural gas prices in the country in the Northeast because it's all imported natural gas because we can't build any pipelines into the Northeast. So it's not like they want us to use it domestically either. They just don't want it to be used. Yeah, it's, it's it's insane because, I mean, to your point, again, it's clean burning and you would think they'd be all over that. But they're, they're just only about renewables. I mean, at the same time, they just, as you probably saw in New Jersey, they just signed on to two big new wind turbine uh, con- conglomerates to build new wind turbines on the, off the Jersey Shore. And, you know, there's a clip of Phil Murphy going around making its way that he was going to protect the oceans. Uh, when yeah, he signed the a bill. other company pulled the plug because they couldn't actually make the economics work, even with the huge subsidies. Right. Uh, did you see my favorite New Jersey story last week about the plastic bag ban? How, how it's led to more plastic? Yeah, three times. Yeah. Tripled. Tripled the amount of plastic <laughs> used. Because <laughs> the, 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 quote, reusable bags are sicker plastic. And they, then people don't even reuse them that much. So they end up using triple the plastic. I don't know how you feel about this, but if I forget my bags, I, well, you, where you are, maybe you're allowed to use them. I don't know. But where I am, obviously, I'm in New Jersey, so I, I can't. And if I walk into a store and I've forgotten them, I refuse to buy new stuff. So I will just load my pockets with my groceries and carry them out to the car. And if I drop them, I drop them. So what? I, I just refuse. I'm not playing along anymore. I'm just not doing it. Well, what we have here is they did not, uh, they didn't do the ban. They did the tax. And so we've got a, you can still get your plastic bag, but they'll charge you like five or 10 cents each for them. And, you know, it goes to the government to clean up the river or whatever. And so what I started doing is when I'm in the checkout line and somebody uh, takes out their cloth bags or whatever it is, I say, why do you hate the river so much? Why don't you want to pay to clean up the river? And I say, just bag mine in the plastic. I'll pay to clean up the river because I care. <laughs> You're a good person, Phil Kirpin. You're a good person. Now, let I me try. ask you before I let you go. Um, the uh, economy is not great. And, and yes, last week we heard more about GDP. And so up and down, you know, the, the Democrats are cheering Bidenomics, Bidenomics. I keep hearing Democrats say that Biden has to go out there and make a better argument uh, of how great the economy is doing. Where is this great economy exactly? I'm trying to find it. I really am. And speaking of shopping, I mean, every time I go shopping, whether I forget my bags or not, I'm paying more for groceries. I'm paying more for everything. So where is this great mythical economy? Well, it only exists uh, for people all the way at the top of the food chain, the super elites who are doing great. Um, but for regular people, uh, wages have not caught up with ca- wages have not caught up with prices. And even though inflation has decelerated, prices are continuing to rise and wages have not kept up with them. So the standard of living is falling. Cost of living continues to rise. People are still behind where they were when Trump was president. I think that's going to be a huge political problem for the president, especially if he thinks it's just a messaging or a marketing problem rather than an economic problem. 
Uh, Phil Kirpin, American Commitment, always great to have you on the show. I saw you, before I let you go, I also saw you tweeted that I guess the Supreme Court is going to hear the case of uh, the Missouri case regarding the online censorship. You said the legality of Biden's collusion with social media companies to suppress COVID dissent will be argued at SCOTUS on March 18th. This is a big deal. I mean, the, the implications of this case are huge, whether or not the government is really censoring people by by proxy here, by using social media companies to do their bidding. It reminds me of the, you know, the, the, the health inspector who comes in to do the bidding of the town by, you know, threatening the, the, the deli shop guy. You better give tickets to the mayor's ball or otherwise, you know, they're going to close them down for health code yeah. violations. I mean, it's kind of the same thing. If the government's threatening you, uh, you tend to do their bidding. It's very insidious. Look, I mean, if the government can engage in censorship that would be prohibited if they did it themselves by asking a private party to do it and then they, quote, voluntarily do it for them, uh, we've got a huge, huge threat to free speech in our country. And uh, there's no doubt in my mind that that's what they did on COVID. It's what they did on election disinformation, on so-called climate disinformation. This is their playbook now. And if the Supreme Court says that's fine, We've got to have Congress step in. And frankly, I'd like to see Congress act on this regardless. Jim Jordan has a bill that would actually punish individual government employees for engaging in this kind of conduct. And we've got to pass something like that, because otherwise, even if the courts like strike it down after the fact, there's no punishment for the individual government employees if they don't at least get fired and fined. I mean, I'd like them to get some jail time, too. But if they don't at least get fired and fined or something, then, uh, you know, why do they care? Why do they care even if it eventually loses in courts? I think we've got to do something to hold individual government employees responsible when they use private entities uh, to engage in censorship. Well said, my friend. Well said. Phil Kirpin, follow him on Twitter, at Kirpin. He's president of American Commitment. Thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. All right. Have a good one, Rich. It's the 5 o'clock happy hour on the Rich Zioli Show. Brought to you by the Oceanfront Grand Hotel of Cape May, New Jersey. A premier full-service resorting conference center. GrandHotelCapeMay.com So uh, Law & Order uh, is a show that has certainly, uh, I think, <laughs> lost the plot a long time ago. Uh, new, I saw the story in Newsbusters. So Law & Order has an episode coming up, uh, which I think is going to be out either this week or next week. I'm not exactly sure. But in the episode, it deals with a woman who's raped. All right. So this woman is raped on, 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 on the episode. And the thing about it is that in their wokey woke way, what they do in the show is they have her turn around and essentially now not press charges because of, <laughs> I kid you not now, systemic racism and systemic oppression. I'm, I'm not even I'm not even making this up. This is a, this is a real thing. So I have the audio clip from from the episode, and I'm going to play that for you. The big story of the day today brought to you by Dr. Mike Venaria is Iran. We're still watching to see if the administration is going to have a response to all of the drone strikes by the Iranian-backed terrorist groups and what that response will be. Um, but th- this is what the Law & Order episode is going to be about. Uh, take a listen. How are you holding up? Uh, not great. I was up all night with Natalie. She was inconsolable. That's understandable. Look, when a person goes through a trauma like that, um, it can end up in a very vulnerable state. Yeah, I'm listening about that. Okay, then what? We're acutely aware of the systemic inequities that exist within the criminal justice system. You mean for people like Jay? Yeah. Our concern is that he might not receive a fair trial. 
I can't deny that there's a history of racial bias. It's certainly not a perfect system. How do you do this every day? My focus, my priority is on healing. So I do what I can. When does Natalie actually have to take the stand? She's up next. So on this recent episode, which uh, was January 25th, the character Natalie, played by actress Romina Dugo, is raped in a dressing room during a smash and grab robbery of a clothing store. At the hospital, Natalie denies seeing her rapist's face, despite video camera footage showing the man removing his mask before entering the dressing room. Eventually, she reluctantly identifies her attacker, a black man named Jay Watson, played by actor McKay Cooper. Natalie's lesbian partner, Brooke, played by actress Keely Miller, explains to the detectives that Natalie is angry at the criminal justice system. She's inconsolable. And that's the clip you just heard. Now, Matt DeSantis, you you say that you have another clip from the episode as well? Yeah, and it's equally ridiculous if you'd like to hear it. Oh, I would I ever. (laughs) Enjoy. Natalie, Jay Watson raped you. You think I forgot? How could I? This entire trial has been an exercise in reminding me. And this is your chance to do something about it. I am going to. Believe me. Because I can. I can afford therapy. I have that luxury. And maybe one day I'll be okay. But if that teenager goes to prison it may not be ever I don't want that (laughs) (laughs) what he's a rapist he's supposed to go to prison he's not supposed to enjoy himself no you're wrong I'm sorry but systemic oppression he's the victim (laughs) <laughs> this is as if Larry Krasner wrote this episode. I think Larry Krasner must have written this episode for Law and Order. Even he has to be thinking this is ridiculous, right? <laughs> Exec- executive producer Dick Wolf, written by Larry Krasner. Yeah, written by Larry Krasner and Alvin Bragg. <laughs> and the uh, district attorney of Chicago. They all, they all went in on this. No, I mean, what she's saying here essentially is that, yes, I was raped. I, I can afford therapy. I think she's advocating for free therapy, too, by the way. Yeah. If you noticed, therapy for all. Therapy is a fundamental basic human right, so that should be free. But yeah, he raped me, but his life would be worse if he goes to jail and is punished for raping me. This actually, this is this is a sh- this is considered woke. That's considered woke. It's insane. It, but it's but it's everything I've been saying for all these years. The criminals are the victims of society's oppression. It's not their fault. Because they're because society is oppressive. Yeah, but well, if you don't imprison this guy, they're not factoring in any potential future victims, right? Well, they don't, those don't future victims that. better be able to afford therapy too. I don't know what to tell them. <laughs> if they also get raped by Jay Watson, I hope they have good therapists. What do you want? I mean, what do you want me to say? Why should Jay Watson have to go to prison for being a rapist? <laughs> 
Wouldn't, wasn't there a time in America when this would have been considered like the most misogynistic episode ever of all time? Where uh, a guy rapes a woman and then he's going to get off scot-free and it's like, oh, so now we're condoning rape? I mean, wouldn't that have been, I don't know, I feel like five minutes ago that would have been what the outrage was over. I'm having a hard time even believing this is real. It seems insane. If I hadn't watched the clips as I pulled them, I would just assume it's AI or a, a prank or something. But sure enough, it's it's legitimate. I just like it's like every time I think what can they think of next? How can they how can they outwoke themselves? Well, let's let the rapist go free because he's black and the system is not there's not even it's not even like I'm not sure he did it. Like no no, he raped me, but the system is the problem, so he should go free. I mean, she's literally saying that. One more I got to hear it one more time, please, cuz I can't I can't even process what I just heard. One more time. <laughs> Jay Watson raped you. You think I forgot? How could I? This entire trial has been an exercise in reminding me. And this is your chance to do something about it. I am going to. Believe me. Because I can. I can afford therapy. I have that luxury. And maybe one day I'll be okay. But if that teenager goes to prison he may not be what's with the dramatic music evidently she has quite the decision on her hand no she doesn't the rapist should go to prison (laughs) she doesn't have a hard decision on her hand the dude should go to prison he raped her it was a violent rape he should go to i don't know if it was as whoopi goldberg would describe as rape i think it was rape rape yeah, I mean, from the clips that I I watched pulling this audio, it seemed like it was a pretty legitimate. Yeah, uh, it was it was violent. This, this guy should not be on the streets. I don't understand how there's even uh, even an element of discussion about it. So she, even Whoopi Goldberg would would acknowledge this was rape rape. Even even Whoopi, it's this is totally nuts. Because you are not understanding that Jay Watson is the real victim here, Matt DeSantis. Yeah, I'm I'm going to have to dispute that. I think. When the, when the Hollywood writer strike happened, they went to woke district attorneys across the country <laughs> and got them to do the writing, apparently, for Law & Order SVU. That's actually an interesting theory. I mean, somebody had to step in. They're like, well, let's get a district attorney to write it. Maybe it'll be, you know, tough on crime or anything. It's like, wait, 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 am I reading this correctly? You want the rapist to go free? Yes. He's the real victim here. Plot twist. I didn't see that coming. All right. Thank you, Mr. Krasner. We'll submit the script for... Uh, Immediate, well, immediately green light this. <laughs> uh, does it bring you any solace that this episode is very much not rated as high as all the other episodes in the series? I mean, all like what I'm looking at right now, a lot of these episodes are, you know, seven out of ten and above. Yeah. This one is at a 4.7. Because it's stupid. Because it's stupid. I think, yeah, I yeah. think a lot of people who watched it were like, what? what is this? What am I watching? Yeah, I mean, it's one thing if, like, I, I don't know, the, the, the guy was, the, the teenager was busted for shoplifting. It's freaking rape. Like, it's re raped her. It's maybe the worst crime you could commit. Short of murder, it's the worst crime you can commit. No question about it. In my opinion, that's, it's the worst. Short of killing somebody, violently raping a woman is right below. It's, like, right there. You know what I mean? She's forever got to deal with that for her life. It's also, I mean, it's an ultimate invasion of somebody's personal liberty. It's just wrong at every level. But the system is way worse. So he should go free. I can't believe my mind.
No, I've, I've never watched this show, thankfully. But even if I did, this would be enough to turn me off. I mean, permanent. I would. N- I will, I'll never watch an episode of NBC Law and Order SVU. This is unbelievably oh, stupid. Season twenty five. Yeah, it's been going on for twenty five years. Well, there was a time when they actually punished rapists on that show. They actually made a point of giving justice to people that raped women, for example. You know what I mean? <laughs> Controversial. And it's insulting to people who have been abused. Yes, it is. Uh, absolutely insulting to women who've been abused. I, yeah, because if they... I mean, think about this from that perspective. Let's say you're watching this and you're, you're a rape victim. And you testified against your rapist, which, was, which would have been the right thing to do. They're guilting you that you didn't just suck it up, buttercup, and go to therapy and deal with it. and Let the rapist go on with his life. You know what I mean? Like they're they're kind of shaming any woman out there who ever actually wanted to see her rapist get justice in the form of being incarcerated to keep him off the street so he doesn't rape other women, for example. Uh, they're shaming those women because they didn't just suck it up and go to see a, a shrink. Yeah, it's it's disturbing, uh, and I I just can't imagine. I don't. Where are the editors? I don't understand. Larry Krasner was the freaking editor. <laughs> I, yeah, I assume a show that's been on air for 25 seasons or whatever Henry just said has an enormous team of writers, enormous team of editors, plus NBC's got to look at this thing, I would imagine, before it hits the air. How did no one flag this and say, we, this is nonsense, we shouldn't air it? Because it's, 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 a, it's a white woman, black victim, even though he's a rapist. And society is what's really on trial here. The systemic oppression of the criminal justice system and society, that's really the villain. It looks like this episode was written by three dudes, too. Yeah, Krasner, Bragg, <laughs> and who's the DA uh, in San Francisco? Chaz, uh, what's his name? Uh, oh, he, he, he got, got ousted. Yeah, Who was the one that ousted. got ousted? Now he's writing. He's writing scripts for Law & Order. So this is a, I'm telling you, this is this is the George Soros-funded prosecutor mindset. They're not prosecutors; they're defense attorneys. But George Soros funded all these guys, like Larry Krasner, for example, and they they let criminals go. They don't prosecute them because they believe that society is racist and patriarchal and hierarchical and everything else and systemic oppression. That's why criminals are back on the streets. But I mean, this takes it to a whole new level of absurdity that the the, the white woman should bear the white guilt. Of something she never did own slaves because let's face it that's really what this is about here and then she should deal with what her trauma without punishing him because he's a victim of America's racist past and systemic racism you see so the white woman needs to bear the guilt of this because of what we've done to make Jay the rapist got it no, I still don't understand. Well, because you're trying to use logic, and I'm I'm asking you to not use logic and to Sorry. use emotion. To use the emotion, not lo- don't use your brain. Use your heart. Use your heart, man. I I just never understand how not one person flagged this and said maybe we shouldn't. Well, luckily now it's been flagged all over. Uh, yeah, right, uh, one person at NBC. Yeah, yeah, just one. Like I understand that uh, there are imbeciles out there that think this way but i'd like to believe they're few and far between that it's a very small portion of society that would agree with this and who owns owns nbc out of curiosity comcast oh is it yeah so why don't you uh ask comcast xfinity why they thought this the green light this episode was a good idea on behalf of all the women who've ever been raped all the women who are dealing with rape in this country 
my question is, why did Comcast think it's okay to shame those women uh, in this episode? 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. Coming up, Canada. Uh, Tucker Carlson was up there speaking last week. And today in Canada, our favorite Canadian politician pushed back on Justin Trudeau's lunacy. We're going to talk to a guest coming up next who is there for Tucker's speech. And also, too, what is going to happen in New Jersey now that we know 54 dolphins have washed ashore dead? 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. We're coming right back. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. The Zioli Show, on your schedule, from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app. I don't think you're going to do that. Put your hand on your country. It's totally cool. Don't worry. He's a good steward. Um, but he will collapse under the weight of his own ludicrousness and go back to Cuba or do whatever he does. But... You know, I don't know if that's true or not, but it's just too great to check. So <laughs> if I ever meet him, I'm going to demand a 23 me like right away. Uh, <laughs> that was Tucker Carlson in Canada last week. Welcome back to the show. Glad you're here today. On Twitter, at Rich Zioli. Carla Joy Treadway was there. She talked to Tucker at the speech in Canada, and she's calling us from Canada. She is on Twitter, at The Sovereign CEO. How are you? I'm great. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you. Uh, we make fun of your prime minister quite a bit on this program. I make fun of my prime minister even more, I bet. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would hope so, since he's yours. At least we're not stuck with him here. Uh, oh, man. He's a tyrant, that guy. I mean, I, what they're doing to Jordan Peterson, what they did to the truckers. And, and uh, I saw you tweeted this out, too. I mean, he is making basically now the taxpayers of Canada pay for the appeal of the case that said that he, he overreached when he took money from these poor truckers. No, that's right. Our, our prime minister has committed an, an illegal act against his country. He, he did the worst possible thing you could as the prime minister to his country. And now he's like, appealing the decision, right? Of course, with our taxpayer money, an endless pool of taxpayer money. Yeah, it's it's horrendous. Now, there's tell me about the election that's going to happen for prime minister, because we also play a lot of clips of Pierre Polivare on this show as well. I, I, I'm a big fan of his. Yeah, I, I like him as well. Um, I think the Conservative Party is, I, I don't think any one person is necessarily our fail safe out of this. Uh, I think a lot of 
citizens in, in Canada need to change things as well. But uh, I like Pierre. I'm definitely voting for him in the, in the next election. Let me play a little clip, if I could, for you, uh, Carla. This is a little exchange that Trudeau and Pierre had. Uh, I, I guess, you're, you know, in your system of government, what, you guys get to, they, they yell at each other. It's kind of like parliament. So, yeah, <laughs> it's very entertaining. It really is to watch. Uh, so Pierre Paul there tweeted this out earlier and he said sometimes that Trudeau just makes it too easy. Take a listen. While the conservative leader is muzzling his own caucus and putting himself first, we'll keep putting Canadians. This one is just too easy. <laughs> he walked into it. He had to muzzle a member from Newfoundland who called for an end to his leadership, joining another senator who did the same because they understand that their constituents are literally starving and unable to heat their homes because the Prime Minister is quadrupling the carbon tax, doubling housing costs, and giving the worst inflation in 40 years. Why won't he listen to, instead of intimidating his member for Newfoundland, and put his leadership up to a review for... So, Carla Treadway, when you were at the speech that Tucker Carlson gave uh, in, in Canada, how was it received? Oh, so well. It was it was a really amazing room of all kinds of Canadians, wealthy and powerful Canadians, um, families, people that had been at the trucker convoy. Um, I mean, people had paid money to go see him. Right. So the the only Canadians, I think, that aren't in agreement with Tucker Carlson are the ones that still watch mainstream media which is just a propaganda tool of this corrupt government. Uh, they might not like, to, like Tucker Carlson, but anyone that's anyone that even is the slightest bit intelligent that isn't brainwashed by mainstream media, they, they get that everything that Tucker is saying is 100% true, and we have the receipts to prove it. How bad was that the issue for the truckers up there? I mean, we talked about it a lot here, but we had our own issues. Obviously, we were dealing with in the United States in terms of our own our own tyrants. Most most of them at the time on the state level who were doing things, locking people down and shutting people down with vaccine mandates. But how bad was it up there with the with the truckers? Well, it was horrendous. So first, I'll say I, I lost a business in 2021 because I was forced to close on and off for 18 months. You know, it doesn't take long to drain your bank account with those kind of closures. Um, there was zero flexibility. It was mandates across the board. And I participated in the trucker convoy. I worked for the uh, documentary team. I assisted the convoy in three different cities. Um, so I was privy firsthand to what it was actually like there and there was zero violence zero hate it was like a family fair um and when people say anyone that's in agreement with this top-down boot stomping that we got they'll say things like well what else what else could we have done he could have talked to them Mm-hmm. He could have talked to them. And, uh, you know, I, for months I was afraid that my bank account was going to be frozen. They uh, beat an old Indigenous elder in a wheelchair with a horse. There were people holding hands and praying and getting pepper sprayed in the face. We have political prisoners in Canada right now. There's the Coots Four uh, that have been in prison now, three men center, for over 700 days with no bail, with no court date. That's not something that happens in Canada, of course. Nothing that the mainstream media is going to cover. Um, and our prime minister is, he's created bills such that 
your like your average Canadian gets their news from social media. If we, I don't know if you know this, if we open up our social media platforms, if you open up Facebook, Instagram, and you try and go to anything that's not government propaganda, any independent news source, it'll just say Canadians aren't allowed to watch this content. So it's pretty terrifying. Um, there, there was not one proven act of violence or like anything, even the main players of the convoy, I, I had dinner with them the other night. Um, people that got solitary confinement, their charges are mischief or conspiracy to commit mischief. Does that sound like a domestic terrorist to you? <laughs> yeah. He's, bad. Yeah. No, I mean, he's a madman and, 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 and I, I hope he loses. I think he's one of the absolute worst. And, uh, Trudeau, unfortunately, represents this kind of new generation of these these socialists who believe that controlling everybody is for their own good, whether it's covid or you know disease X that the World Economic Forum talks about or whatever else. I mean, they 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 love this idea of this international order controlling everything. He's at the epicenter of it. I mean, your prime minister is on the world stage constantly advocating this, whether it's uh, for climate change or whether it's pandemic preparedness or anything else. I mean, he's right there in the center of it. Yep. Non Tucker spoke to that a lot too, right? He, he doesn't care about the people. And, you know, one thing that Jordan Peterson said about these great big events, when, when they go to Davos and you talk to the globalists, all the globalists can talk about is there being too many people. And Jordan Peterson says, well, what do you do when there's too many mice in your house? You get you get rid of the problem. Now, when you look at everything that our government's doing, uh, trying to destroy our only energy resource, you know, we're one of the coldest countries on Earth. Fifty percent of Canadians use fossil fuels to heat their homes. It's not just about buying a fancy electric car. Uh, we have made being more easily accessible than psychotherapy or an MRI. Uh, we have these disastrous gender policies being taught to our children. Um, there is no policy from the Liberal government that looks like it's for the people. Everything looks like it's designed to destroy the people right now. Hmm. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to uh, educate us here in the States. We appreciate it very much. You can follow Carla on Twitter at The Sovereign CEO. And you're, you're a business coach, right? You're a digital marketing coach? I am. I am. And I got sucked into this political realm a little bit the last few years. Uh, my Instagram is Carla Joy Treadway. And yeah, I do business coaching. I do marketing and I do a lot of bringing things to light as well as often as I can, because it's, you know, if we don't, I could focus on my business, but there's not going to be a business if the country keeps going in this direction. So I definitely make sure to talk about all the things as often as I can here as well. Well, we'll tune into your podcast, the Sovereign CEO podcast, and come back and, and visit us again. We appreciate your time today. I really do. Thank you, Carla. I love to. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Seoli Show podcast from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT and the Odyssey app. The Supreme Court has to keep Trump off the ballot if they want to be consistent with their originalism. And the dumbest op-ed I've ever read in my life from Political Magazine, Trump's Supreme Court justices must kick him off the ballot. It's their only choice if they want to maintain their commitment to originalism. This is the big story of the day today. Brought to you by my buddy, Dr. Mike Venaria, VenariaDental.com. Go see him today for your perfect smile. Bruce Ackerman is a sterling professor of law and political science at Yale University. And he goes on to talk about, as the Supreme Court's about to hear the case, he writes the following. 
Originalism, pure and simple, serves as the foundation for Trump's exclusion from the race. The reality requires the Supreme Court to confront a fundamental dilemma and poses a huge test for Justices Neil Gorsuch, Brett Kavanaugh, and Amy Coney Barrett. Not only did the Trump-appointed justices proudly proclaim their adherence to originalism at their Senate confirmation hearings, but their commitment served as the basis for repudiating Roe v. Wade as the constitutional right in Dobbs. After all, many Americans will ask if originalism is compelling enough for the new majority to strip women of control over their bodies. Why isn't it compelling enough to strip control, uh, strip Trump from control over the country? Now, there's nothing in here that actually justifies how this is actually about originalism. But the point here, I would argue with this law professor back, is that if the original draft of the 14th Amendment, Section 3, which had the word president in it and was taken out when they ratified the amendment to say that you'll be disqualified if from being a senator or a member of the House of Representatives, an elector of president or vice president or an officer of the United States, et cetera, et cetera. Wouldn't the originalist finding be that if the intent of the framers of the 14th Amendment, the, the drafters of the amendment was to keep the word president in? They would have kept it in because they, they took it out in the draft and not in the final text of the 14th Amendment. So wouldn't the originalist view be that they did not intend for the president of the United States to be considered as part of that in terms of being barred from office for being an insurrectionist? But the other point, too, that this professor seems to miss is that originalists also care about something called due process, which is also in the 14th Amendment. And also in the 14th Amendment, it talks about how Congress gets to set the rules of how people are disqualified. They leave it to Congress to do that. So this entire thing is a piece of garbage, but I just will share with you the really what the what the tell is here by this guy. He writes, this historical experience suggests that even if Biden beats Trump in 2024, the Supreme Court's failure to uphold the Constitution may well facilitate a vicious cycle. That leads to the death of American democracy over the course of the 21st century. But should the justices stick to their principles, the court's reputation and American democracy will get back on track. So you see what what the far left political professor here from Yale wants people to do, what the Supreme Court to do is worry about their reputation, not to worry about what the text of the Constitution says. And even if even if Biden wins, we're still going to lose American democracy. So so I guess they kind of undermine the entire argument that Trump will be the destruction of American democracy because they're affirming that even if Biden wins, American democracy is toast either way. That was stupid. Uh, the other thing, too, that I wanted to mention is Bill Malusian showed a on Fox News, a photographer in California just witnessed two humans smuggling SUVs drop off groups of illegal immigrants who then trot around the border wall and enter the United States. People from China, Turkey and India are in this group. This is in eastern San Diego County that this just happened. Obviously, this is going on, you know, all over the place here. Uh, And okay, so this is an interesting tweet that my friend just sent me. UFC veteran Paige Van Zandt says the entire Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey love story is 100% fake. Now, I would normally not talk about Taylor Swift other than the context of how Biden is going to use her to help him get reelected. So the question is, is this a Fugazi relationship? Well, what like do you a big, think? big PR stunt? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. 100% fake. 
I, I can't say with certainty it's 100% because, you know, I don't know. Celebrities finding celebrities, it makes sense, you know. Kind of live that a lifestyle. You find common ground with someone who knows what it's like to be in the spotlight. I don't know. I can't say it's a Fugazi 100%, but if, you know, if it turned out to be so, yeah. I wouldn't be shocked. And doesn't it make her mo- even more influential because now, theoretically, she can reach the football consumer? Because mm-hmm. she's dating a football player? Yeah. Absolutely. Big dude. I'm going to choose to believe anything this Paige Van Zandt has to say. I just Googled her. She's quite attractive. Mm -hmm. Yeah, anything Paige Van Zandt has to say, I'm I'm in. (laughs) If she says it's a a fake relationship, then I agree. She says, I think that the Taylor Swift-Travis Kelsey love story, I believe, is 100% fake. I truly believe it's a publicity. Uh, Taylor Swift is huge, and now she's getting an entirely different demographic to come watch the NFL. He did this... How did the season come out with, he did this vaccine commercial, there's so much strategic stuff that's happening. All right, so what about the theory that the NFL, the Super Bowl is going to be rigged so the Kansas City Chiefs win because of Taylor Swift? I don't buy that for a second. There's this guy, and I can't believe I bet against him. I have to rewire my brain to put him in the same breath as Tom Brady. There's no stopping Patrick Mahomes. In fairness, they were pretty lousy all season. They flipped the switch, and now they're good again. They do it every year. They just well, they're have gone. something They're good out. last year. Well, they're they were good. the number I'm... one seed. This year, They, I thought for sure well, they were going to lose to the Bills. I thought for sure they'd lose to the Ravens. They were underdogs in both games. And Are you suggesting the won. switch is the, the we want Taylor Swift to win switch? No, I think no. That, Mahomes no. is just on another level. Yeah, like, they need yeah. to turn it on. When they, it comes down, do. like do you have the quarterback that's going to make the plays? He makes the plays. He always makes the plays, and I have to like remind myself, like, all right, if the Chiefs are in the playoffs no matter how bad the season's gone because if if they have that guy and andy reed yeah that he also definitely helps as well i'm still gonna root against him i can't me too no no No, way i have to root again because of taylor swift i have to so annoying yeah so you would rather cheer for the 49ers yes oh my gosh i hate the 49ers turncoats this is not a turncoat Turncoat. why we don't live in either city why is it a turncoat not the eagles playing (laughs) but if you're an eagles fan you usually want the 49ers dead the Chiefs knocked us out of the Super Bowl last year. Yeah, but the 49ers are the ones who cried and whined all offseason that we didn't they didn't get a fair shot in the NFC Championship, and now they've come all the way back to go to the Super Bowl and talk all that smack they've been talking. Yeah, but and with a chance to win over the team that the Eagles couldn't beat last year. Yeah, but every commercial... I'd rather them defend that title than have the 49ers have a smidgen of you know, we told you so. Yeah, but I don't have to see Brock Purdy and Debo Samuel every single commercial break. I do have to see Jason uh, Kelsey and or uh, Travis Kelsey, excuse me, and Patrick Mahomes, and I can't take it anymore. They and Taylor Swift, go away! Yeah, oh, they're not going to yeah, go away if they lose the Super Bowl. Well, they the might. 49ers will stay forever. They will hold that over our heads forever. All right, forever, fair, fair, fair. But it'll be a big loss to the Swifties. Sure. I again, I it's. The lesser of two evils. Who cares? Who cares? The lesser of two evils. Actually, is uh, some controversy. Uh, controversy. Taylor Swift may not be at that football game. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So apparently, she's going to have to fly from Tokyo to wherever. Where is the game being held? Las Vegas. Las Vegas. Fly from Tokyo to mm-hmm. Las Vegas. Uh, she's got a performance there the night before. It's a 17-hour flight or something. She may just barely make it for kickoff. Well, and the private jet. Of course, then she'll be using her carbon offsets yeah, don't to worry. be carbon neutral. So you don't have to worry about that. 
All right, we got a big fourth and final hour coming up for you. In New Jersey, dead dolphins. What's happening in New Jersey, I wonder? And also, to Joe Biden rambling over the weekend in South Carolina as he has no coherent message whatsoever. And is uh, the governor of New Jersey also helping his wife using your taxpayer dollars to become the next United States senator? I'll tell you all about that as well. But listen, I'll tell you about my friend, Dr. Mike Venaria. He's my friend. He's my dentist. He's a great guy. He is the master of dental implants, the master of making you look and feel your greatest with a million-dollar smile. I recommend you book an appointment with Dr. Mike today. I've been telling you about Dr. Mike for years. My entire family goes to Dr. Venaria, and his staff delivers the incredible unmatched level of care. He's been delivering results that surpass expectations, and that has made him a top dentist in New Jersey for 10 consecutive years. In fact, he has one of the most respected reputations among his peers as a master of dental implants. So if you've been on the fence about getting that dental procedure done, reach out to Dr. Mike today. Go to VenariaDental.com or 856-786-2020. 856-786-2020 or visit VenariaDental.com. That's V-A-N-A-R-I-A, VenariaDental.com. Rich Zioli, weekday afternoons, 3 to 7, Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and on the free Odyssey app. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.